Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Rachel Davis, who after 15 years of working within the world of law, both in education and in practice, decided to create the educational platform, The Lawyer Portal. In this episode, Rachel shares her thoughts and advice for every step of the training contract application process, utilising the content she's created to date, as well as her professional background in order to do so. Let's get into it. So hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Harry. It's good to be here. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I went through the training contract process myself Oh God, about two years ago now. And as I was doing it, I was full of questions and looking for answers. Um, and, you know, I was using the lawyer portal, which I know that you were a founder of throughout the process for some advice. And it's great to be able to speak with you, having been through that process and on the other side of it to discuss training contracts and, and try to give some sort of tips for applicants from all sorts of backgrounds today and to kind of really break down the process as to what firms do, the kind of different steps that are done in a in an application um, and how to sort of excel and stand out as a candidate. But before we get too much into that side of things, um, a quick icebreaker question that I like to ask when people come on the show is why did you originally want to work within the kind of the legal industry and legal profession in the first place? Oh gosh, now that is a good question. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't want to work in the legal profession at all. Right, okay. I, I went to school, did my GCSEs, A-levels. Um, I went to a, a pretty sort of hu- humble beginnings in a comprehensive school in the north of England. Um, my my father was a, a lawyer, so I had absolutely no sort of um, want to do it, you know, to sort of carve my own path out in life, so to speak. And it wasn't until I finished my A-levels that law really came onto my radar. Um, I'd applied to go to university at Leeds, uh, Leeds Uni, and I was taking a year out. And in between getting my results and having a year out, I got called up to do jewellery service. And it was a real moment for me. Um, I loved it. I loved being in the court. I loved watching the lawyers. I loved... I loved everything about it. And it it just sort of got me thinking, gosh, maybe this is a career for me. I'd applied to do French with business management and following a lot of research into sort of law careers, following this experience that I'd had, I actually made the decision to change my degree to law and the rest is history. So I, you know, it's not something I'd always wanted um, as a as a young person. It was something that really I kind of fell into. Mm. It's really funny you say that because most people I speak to about jury service are always trying to get out of it as opposed to being sort of fascinated by it, <laughs> um, from my experience anyway. But um, no, that's certainly a kind of really unique, interesting as, uh, perspective as to what the profession is all about. Um, and as I kind of hinted at, at the beginning, um, you've produced you know, an abundance of resources to date with the lawyer portal. Um, and we're going to be talking about sort of one section of that today, which is training contracts. And um, I think it's good to preface before we start that for those who are perhaps from a non-law background or who are you know, wanting to be a lawyer but not, don't know too much about the process, um, you know, training contracts are one way of getting into one section of law when it comes to commercial law. Um, and uh, it's something that I think would be a really good thing to sort of break down today and to kind of break down all the requisite steps because I certainly know from experience when I was in my first year at university and you know these big firms are rocking up on your campus at law fairs and saying apply to us apply to us um, I think the whole process can be really overwhelming so um, I guess that's a really good starting point really which is when it comes to you know you're, you're, you're wanting to go down this route and you've decided that you think you're going to be a commercial solicitor and you're wanting to apply to firms what's your advice for that sort of initial point of 
picking out who you're going to apply for from, let's face it, the sea of firms that are out there at the moment and deciding what's really going to be for you? Well, I'd say just do your research and and do your homework and ask yourself some really, really important and basic questions about what you actually want from your legal career and the type of career that you want. It might be that you want to go into a more commercial setting, for example, and train at an in you know as an in-house lawyer so for example organizations like the BBC the ITV Manchester United um, all sorts of really great blue chip companies actually offer training contracts which many people don't even realize so if that rocks your with your world and you want to have one client as in the BBC for example that could be a great route for you to go down so definitely explore the avenues and and opportunities available there versus the more traditional private practice, which again is sort of the the other sort of route that you can go down in order to secure a training contract. So a law firm, really. Think about um, the different types of firms that you could apply to. So do you want to work in a commercial law firm? So that has lots of sort of business type clients do you want to be a criminal lawyer, which obviously is, is at the other end of the scale and involves a very, very different practice of law? Do you want to go and work on the high street and do more sort of convincing type work, private client work? It all really sort of depends on the type of law firm that you want to apply for. So read as much as you can, find out as much as you can about the different firms that are out there potentially the areas of law that they specialize in. So, for example, if you have um, a, a certain interest in a certain area of law or an industry, try and marry in those um, those interests with law firms that practice in those areas. So, for example, if you're interested in media, you might want to find a firm that has a big department in that area um, that you could potentially become involved in. So I'd say areas of the law is 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 pretty um pretty important. As is, you know, location, you know, more kind of practical things like the location of the firm, where is it? Are you going to be living at home while you're doing your training contract? Are you desperate to move out? Um whatever it might be. And and things like the more touchy-feely side of it, you know, what's the culture and personality of that law firm? Um, what are their values and, and how does that tie in with what's important to you? Um, have they got, for example, um, an LGBT community? Have they got, you know, what, what, what are they doing to make sure that firms represent all sort of, you know, are all encompassing and all representative? So there's lots and lots of things to think about, basically. Um, you know, a good place to start is is the internet. So carrying out simple Google searches, the lawyer portal's got a wealth of information about different law firms. And, you know, you can, you can start from there, really, um, just researching. Look on law firm websites. So once you've narrowed down your options, have a look at their news feeds, start following them on Twitter, social, Instagram, LinkedIn, and start kind of building up a bit of sort of background knowledge um, about that firm and potentially what's going on and, and what sort of deals they're involved in. 
Absolutely. And you raised something there in your answer that I kind of really resonated with as someone who did sort of several rounds of applications when it came to applying for TCs, which is those kind of more nuanced points about firms like their culture, like their policies with um, diversity and inclusion, for example, because I think one of the, the critical errors that I used to make was I used to just think that, you know, writing applications that catered to, say, um, you know, internationally focused firms, uh, you know, in London who do commercial work was kind of a good enough, kind of broad enough um, definition when it came to applying to firms. But in reality, it's those kind of unique characteristics like their culture um, like their secondment opportunities like their training that really kind of give that firm their identity and things that you can use in your application and I guess one of the things that you can do to learn about that like their culture is through networking so a lot of students are exposed to firms through um, law fairs through sort of conference events and online like you said um, and a lot of students that I speak to tend to view networking as, you know, something that, you know, the higher ups do or people who are currently practicing do and that, you know, that it's not in their place as a law student to sort of go out and try to, you know, rub shoulders with lawyers or, or, to, or they might find it awkward, for example. What's your sort of tips and advice for students to really kind of utilize this, this buzzword of networking and to actually you know, help it feed into their applications? Gosh, well... I think networking, it's definitely really important, like you say. And for students that are at university, places like the careers department or the University Law Society are great places to go to understand what networking opportunities there are within within your going on on your campus. Um, like you say, law firms go to different universities to meet potential candidates get to know them and you know it's a great opportunity for them as well not just for the student um you know ultimately they're on the lookout for great candidates in the same way that students are on the lookout for great firms so it's definitely a two-way thing um you know you can the networking might take the form of a a talk that you can you could go to it could be an event it could be like pizzas it could be going to a seminar um so it's not only a great way of sort of getting to meet people from the industry but also a great way of sort of boosting your knowledge and skills at the same time i mean in terms of uh the the sort of networking itself i'd just say just try and speak to as many people at an event as you possibly can. Make sure that you follow up with them afterwards, I would say, is a big one. So if you've spoken, say, to a grad recruitment person, um, you you know, you built up a bit of rapport with them, you had a good conversation, follow up and do it quickly while they still remember you, because they'll be speaking to hundreds and hundreds of students. You can either connect with them on LinkedIn, you could get their email address at the event and send them an email. Either way, just make sure you're following up, thanking them for their time and, you know, getting yourself firmly on their radar is a really, really good start. One thing I'd say about if if you're going to um, send them an email, um, think about the email address that you're using. Um, so if, for example, your email is uh, poochie at gmail.com, you might want to consider setting up something a little bit more appropriate and professional um, so that, you know, these people kind of start taking you seriously. 
Um, but yeah, other than that, like online networking's really great. I mean, Harry, I know, and we talked about this, you use LinkedIn so well to network with uh, both your fellow students and industry professionals. I do the same. It's an amazing way of making contacts and developing your own sort of personal and professional brand. So, you know, Use use these platforms, these online platforms, to your advantage uh, when you're networking. And I suppose my only other real tips are for any networking that you do, go armed with knowledge. So if you know that a specific law firm is going to be at an event, do a bit of research about the firm. Um, you know, the practice areas, we talked about that before. And go on with some questions as well. Um, you know... What do they like about their job? Um, why are they different to other firms? Who are their competitors? Are there any like mergers or big cases on the horizon? Or ha- are there any you've read about that you could you could talk to them about? It's all about just demonstrating knowledge, understanding and enthusiasm. Um, and they're kind of my kind of sort of main key things, I suppose, about networking. And I, I only kind of resonate with your point about following up. Um, I was I had the opportunity to actually be on the other side of the kind of networking desk um, when I just happened to be passing through uh, my local law firm at my university in Baker McKenzie there. And they kind of offered me the chance to stand behind the desk for a bit and talk about the firm. And I think I gave out my email address to something like 30 to 50 people that day. And I think I only got about two or three the next day. Um, I don't know if it was just me personally <laughs> that they weren't interested <laughs> in following up with, but just the premise, I think, of, of you know, any kind of contacts you make to kind of really whilst it's fresh in their mind and in yours to, to follow up um, and again on that digital point you mentioned with LinkedIn um, it's an incredibly powerful resource and I think being brave enough to just put yourself out there and just sort of ask a few questions um, you know if you send out 30 messages and you only get one back when it comes to asking for some mentoring and advice that's still a success in my eyes because you've now got that added sort of contact to, to ask questions and to, and to learn more about so only resonate um, completely with, with what you've said there on networking and then a final kind of step of I guess the kind of pre-writing stage of the applications this is before we've even considered the application form itself um, is sort of this idea of skills development so I think this will vary greatly depending on the kind of types of training contracts that you're applying for like we we mentioned in the beginning um, I know that for me going into the kind of commercial solicitor route there's a lot of emphasis on buzzwords like you know, commercial awareness on empathy client skills communication skills um, what's your sort of broad brush view of the kind of key skills that you think candidates should kind of be developing um, and some sort of recommendations as to how they can do that so that they're ready for the application process? Let's start with commercial awareness, I think, mm-hmm. because I, do you know what? I think it's a really, I think some students find this a really scary word and concept mm. and they're like well, what does it mean like what is commercial awareness ah mm. I don't know what to do and I don't know how to develop it first of all I'd say take a deep breath and take a step back and just think about what it is and and really it's just being conscious of developments in the business world and understanding mm. why and how businesses behave in the way that they do Why it's important for lawyers and practicing lawyers is because as well as having a good understanding of the law, a lawyer also has to be able to understand what's going on with their client in the real world so that they can adapt their legal advice 
to the business in which that client operates and mm. sometimes the, the the sort of economic climate which is sort of going on at that at any one particular time so i'd say to demonstrate good commercial awareness it's just really good to have a grasp on a client's business the industry in which they operate so are they in media are they in transport are they in the medical sector whatever it might be and how politics and the economy generally, uh, you know, nationwide and worldwide might affect any advice that you're giving to a client. So, I mean, that's commercial awareness in a nutshell. It's just <clears throat> knowing about business. And there are lots of ways that you can uh, develop your commercial awareness. But one thing I would say is that it's it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's something really that you'll chip away with alongside your studies um, you know for example the lawyer portal um, shameless plug here we have a commercial awareness newsletter for example so every week we sort of shine the spotlight on different sort of commercial issues that are going on at any one time mm. I'd say reading the newspaper is really good stick to broadsheets the times mm-hmm. the FT Guardian anything like that's really good tuning into the news at 10 I think that's really accessible and sort of easy to do. Um, if, say, for example, you are interested in a, in a specific sector or industry, you might even like to um, look into taking a publication within that mm. sector. So, for example, if you're interested in property, you could take the Property Week. Um, so, you know, you can even drill down even further if you want to. Books are, um, you know, going back to the old school, books are pretty good. Um, You know, All You Need to Know About the City by Christopher Stokes is a good one to start with if you're thinking about the commercial law sector. And I'd say podcasts are really good. Um, The Economist does a really good one. There's a really good one called Business Deal. Um, Harry, you've got your podcast. Um, We've got a podcast on the law (laughs) See, I'm giving you a plug here as well, helping you out. (laughs) Um, But other ways to sort of develop commercial awareness can be, you know, sort of getting a job is a really good Mm. one or getting involved in some voluntary work. So, for example, you know, you might have a job on the checkout at Tesco's and you'll think, Mm. well, how, how can I build commercial awareness, you know, sort of working on a checkout? There's loads and loads of things to think about in that scenario. If you think if you're working for Tesco, you can be thinking about their customer base, the service that they offer. So it's not just food; they do mobiles, clothes, bank. Um, who are their competitors? Where are they placed in the market? Are they profitable? And if so, why? Yes, very profitable. Isn't like mm-hmm. one in four pounds in the UK spent in Tesco's or something absolutely crazy wow. like that. It's probably Amazon now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, all sorts of things. So, you know, having a having a part-time job can be a really, really great way of building awareness of sort of business. Um, and, and I suppose the last thing is a law firm is a business as well. So <clears throat> as well as acting for businesses, they are a profit, well, hopefully a profit-making uh, business and need to be as aware of these sort of commercial awareness, this commercial awareness stuff as, as any any sort of business. Absolutely. And I love the analogy you brought with retail, um, because I think a lot of students kind of 
have this notion in their mind that they need, you know, legal experience and only legal experience to talk about an application when it comes to demonstrating skills and demonstrating, you know, what they can do. Um, and out of the many kind of lawyers I've spoken to, both, you know, inside the UK and outside of it, um, you know, law is a client-driven business and there's an element of salesmanship to it um, when it comes to maintaining client relationships, when it comes to winning new business. And so, you know, working in retail and being able to manage angry customers when they can't get returns, when, you know, you're trying to help customers find the perfect product, um, there's a lot of transferable skills there that, that also relate to the legal profession as well. Um, outside of commercial awareness as well, quickly, what, what were your sort of other thoughts on skills that it'd be important for candidates to develop when it comes to just going into the application process? So I suppose in terms of more sort of generalised skills, it's it's sort of good to try and develop and think about the skills that you would need as an everyday practising lawyer and even sort of studying law as well. So things like being able to analyse information and solve problems is really one of the kind of big things that a lawyer will do on a day-to-day basis. So having the ability to do that, which potentially, like you say, you could demonstrate through a job that you've had, some work experience that you've had, some volunteering you've done, you know, you might have, um, you know, been on a sports team, whatever it might be. Um, just think about situations where you've had to solve problems and uh, or analyze information. Um, other things that I think it's real or skills that are really, really important to develop are um, your analytical skills in terms of articulating and breaking down complex problems into sort of simple written or verbal speak. Um, So it's sort of writing in plain English and being able to dissect information and make it um, accessible to anybody is actually a really, really difficult skill to achieve. So being able to do that, um, you know, you could potentially practice this by looking at um, an article in a newspaper, um, thinking about the issues that have been raised within that article, if it's a sort of thought leadership piece or a, um, or something like that, and break down what it's all about and maybe sort of jot down a few notes. Other things that are really good skills to develop are teamwork, um, communication skills is absolutely key when you're working with um, other lawyers or clients. Thinking well at, under pressure, um, you know, you can't shy away from the fact that if you go into the legal profession, it is intense and it's like a pressure pot, pot it's like a pressure pot at times. And it's being able to sort of cope in that environment and think about how you can develop those skills of working within that that environment. Attention to detail is a huge one. Um, being able to research, that sort of thing, are probably some of the main skills. And like I say, you can develop those in a whole range of ways, volunteering, law work experience, a part-time job, um, you know, sports clubs, social um, clubs, um, join, join a society, do some mooting, there's all sorts of ways that you can sort of develop these skills that, like you say, don't involve having work experience in a law firm, which can actually be really, really hard to get. I 
a lot of this episode, we've talked about the kind of pre-application steps when it comes to doing your research, when it comes to learning more about the legal industry generally and kind of building those skills. Um, but ultimately, it will come time to actually put pen to paper or finger to keyboard and to write your application. And a lot of firms, I think nearly all firms, require some kind of written application form as part of their process. Um, and whilst there can be some differences, there are certainly a number of kind of key writing principles and common questions that kind of come up throughout that process. Um, so just taking that first point to start with when it comes to writing on this application form and trying to, you know, keep your writing clear, succinct, persuasive, um, what are your sort of tips to candidates to make their writing more effective and to and to sort of make their written application as good as it can be? Mm. Well, I think just the first thing to, to sort of point out that this really is the first, unless you've kind of met you know, somebody, a representative from a law firm at a a specific event, this is going to be your first interaction with that law firm and it just has to be perfect. Um, I would say, you know, in terms of the, the, the way the application process works, you may be required to fill out an application form or you might be asked to submit a CV and covering letter. So just be very, very mindful of the format in which the application should be submitted and stick to any guidelines um, as rigidly as you possibly can. There'll be lots of different questions. There'll be personality-focused questions. So, you know, for example, give us an example of your leadership skills. And that goes back to, you know, thinking about times and experiences that you've had that you can draw on. Um, Questions like, I mean, this is an absolute classic, why do you think you'll make a good solicitor? Um, Again, you can sort of, going back to what we said before, you can think about those skills that you've built up um, that you think would make you a good solicitor, for example. There'll probably be law firm specific questions. So why this firm? Again, very, very important to be able to articulate clearly and person personally why that particular firm. Um, and I would say just keep it personal. Keep any applications that you uh, make very, very relevant to that specific firm. I'd say don't apply to too many. Um, I would definitely say quality over quantity. So once you've done that initial research, highlight, say, 10 or so firms that you really, really like the look of that you want to sort of apply to and stick to that and really, really invest the time into getting those applications polished and perfect. Keep it interesting and engaging. That goes without saying watch out for typos, um, you know, big no-no, get someone to read it for you. Um, take a copy of it, um, whether that's a screenshot, if you're uh, submitting um, online or, you know, whatever it might be, but just keep a copy of it just in case you get invited to interview. Um, don't copy and paste. An app comes with an absolute health warning. Um, the law <laughs> firms can spot it a mile off. And, you know, they want to see customized applications with customized responses to their specific questions. So just just if you're only doing a few, um, hopefully that won't happen. Uh, Don't repeat content. So try and just give as many examples as you can to demonstrate skills. Um, And it just gives them a a much better flavor as to what you're all about. Um, Maybe try try to avoid cliches. 
I've always wanted to be a solicitor. You probably yeah. haven't, so don't bother saying it. Um, you know, and just be yourself to the extent that you can be um, and try and kind of get your personality and uh, motivations across in that application as much as you possibly can. No, absolutely. And that cliche point is is so important as someone who used to write applications and has now sort of proofread quite a, quite a lot of them. Um, I don't think you realise you've written a cliche at times until you kind of compare it to, um, you know, other applications and see these really common phrases like, you know, intellectually stimulating or, you know, this firm has this many offices in this many countries. Um, you're absolutely right about it, wanting to be personal and to kind of give it that unique perspective on you and your skills and your sort of story and motivations for applying. Um, and then I guess in addition to um, the sort of general writing points we've put forward, um, that really kind of classic question of why this firm, I think, is one of the one of the questions I get a lot from students when it comes to trying to, I guess, take the, the information that they've they found in their research stages we've discussed. Um, they've thought about their own experiences. Um, did you have any sort of specific points when it comes to tying together the firm's USPs with your own and kind of really selling your motivations for applying to that specific firm? Yeah, oh, I think it's just about tying in your specific interests um, with the law firms that you're applying to. So, you know, it might be around sport, it might be around genetics, it might be around whatever it's around, just making sure and tying in your interests to the areas in which that firm practices. So, for example, I I, I trained and qualified at, at Denton's and one of the reasons why I really liked the firm was because it had a really strong energy and infrastructure focus and it still has um, it's very very sort of successful in that particular area and for me that was really interesting um, I liked environmental law and I knew that they had a big environmental practice so it's just sort of bringing across your own personal interests and tying them into the wider workings of a particular law firm. And like you say, it could be culture, it could be diversity and inclusion, it could be whatever it might be, just personalising it as much as you possibly can. And after that written stage, um, it's quite common for firms to introduce some kind of psychometric testing or online test um, that candidates will take prior to additional stages, which we'll cover in a second. Um, commonly, this is something like the Watson Glazer. It could be something like a competency test and verbal reasoning. And I think a lot of students find these frustrating or just quite alien because they've not had the opportunity to really practice them before at something like university and it's it's quite different to other job processes that they might have gone through before when it comes to you know you write your application interview and then you're done so when it comes to tackling things like the Watson Glazer and these kind of online psychometric tests that can crop up what's your sort of advice for candidates to research them effectively and to ultimately get as high a score as they can? Well you know, I mean, ultimately, it's a hoop, isn't it? The Watson Glazer, it's that kind of one of those initial steps that you just have to get through in order to progress your application. Um, I mean, firms to a certain extent just want to establish, um, you know, how you can handle and analyse a potential problem logically. And that's the sort of premise behind Watson Glazer, having the ability to think critically, draw conclusions, um, assess arguments, recognize assumptions and evaluate arguments um so you know it's it's just like i say it's a hoop you have to go through it 
And in terms of sort of like top tips or how to think about improving your uh, performance, I'd say practice is the biggest one. Um, for example, the Lawyer Portal has an online simulator um, where you can practice Watson Glazer questions and get a feel for the types of um, things that you might be asked. Um, so just practice, practice, practice as much as you can. There's lots of other platforms where you can find practice questions as well. So um, work your way through those. Um, if on the day you can take it at any time, uh, go for a time that you feel most alert and awake. Um, it's pretty obvious, but, you know, set aside that time and just think about when will be the best time for you to sit it. Um, a big one is just focusing only on the information that you're given. So in Watson Glazer, you're given usually a paragraph of text and you're asked a series of multiple choice questions around it. Um, only sort of focus on any the information that you're given external knowledge is completely irrelevant and you know will throw you off track so that's kind of quite a big tip um read everything twice usually they're not too time pressured watson glazer tests so just make sure you're digesting the information and don't just sort of skim it just really go through it with a fine tooth comb before you answer the questions answer all the questions it's not negatively marked um, and if you run out of time, just answer the questions, um, which sounds really bad, but there's no point kind of not answering them, if you know what I mean. Just kind of do a quick click at the end and make sure that you get to the end of the test. But like I say, that shouldn't happen because they're usually not that time pressured. Um, I don't know how you found it. <laughs> no, it was the, it was my Achilles heel, I think, throughout the whole process, just getting used to that idea of setting aside your kind of outside knowledge and only focusing on what's in front of you is a, is a really kind of important point. Um, I think there were a few times when I first took it that I was kind of second guessing if what I was reading was factually correct for whatever reason, be it if it was a statistic that I thought sounded suspiciously low or just a point that I thought I'd read somewhere else. Um, and in reality, when it, if, the, if the question is asking you something that's related to that passage, you have to treat that passage as gospel. Um, so kind of, it's a really good analogy I've heard from someone else who going in as if you're a sort of a newborn baby and you don't know anything other than what's in front of you. It's that kind of approach that I think is really useful when it comes to kind of setting outside as much of your own conceptions and kind of biases that you might have when it comes to answering what's in front of you. Yeah, I like that. That's quite yeah, a good analogy. It's, it's a good one, isn't it? I, I think it's I think it's great. Um, I wish I'd known it sooner. It would have saved me a lot of time and stress, I think. And another Achilles heel for students generally, I think, is what is commonly the next stage after the, this written application of the Watson Glazer, which is video interviews. And having spoken to a number of recruiters, um, both currently practicing and those who have kind of gone into other areas of law, um, they've also said that they understand that candidates find video interviews quite uncomfortable, quite awkward. Again, not many of not many candidates will have had the opportunity to practice them before. Um, and the, the whole process is a bit alien. So video interviews really are, are, I think it's one of the most common things I get questions about. Um, so what do you think are the sort of top tips for presenting yourself in the right way, kind of understanding how they work? Um, and, and if there's any kind of different advice you'd give for a video interview versus a kind of in-person one? Mm. Well, I think you know, given this sort of weird time that we're in at the moment and the fact that people are probably getting a lot more used to interacting socially, um, you know, virtually, um, you know, hopefully the video interviews will start becoming less daunting um, because they can be daunting. And I think 
trying to build rapport with somebody you've never met before online is really, really difficult versus face-to-face where you can sort of be a bit more animated and a bit more, you know, chatty, potentially. Um, But in terms of video interviews, I suppose it depends on the type of interview that you've got. So you might have a real-time interview, so on Skype or FaceTime, for example, um, or Zoom, or you might have a pre-recorded set of questions. So, for example, eight questions, they'll flash up, you're given 30 seconds thinking time, and then a minute or so to answer those questions. And if you're lucky, you might get the option to re-record if you've messed it up. But um, it's, you know, whatever sort of format that video interview takes, I think some the tips are all pretty sort of... Um, you know sort of basic really in terms of making sure you know you're in a quiet room stick a do not disturb sign on the door if you need to turn off your phone absolute classic um close all the windows if you need to gag members of your family or pets go for it um you know just make sure the surroundings are quiet um test the lighting back to a window is not great because you can't see your face um, make sure that you've um, you've got your whole upper body in the shot um, rather than just like a massive head filling the screen <laughs> um, because in that way you can be a bit more animated and you know build this rapport that we've been talking about um, other more kind of practical things just keep the walls clear no clutter um, dress and present yourself like you would if you were going to a face-to-face interview so look really really smart um, I'd recommend not going for the newsreader look, so a sort of shirt and tie and a pair of pants, just in case you um <laughs> I've heard so many horror stories from that, where people have ha- had a mirror behind them unknowingly or something like that, and then they've only finished the interview and realised afterwards. But I don't know if any of them are true, but it's still funny nonetheless. But no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, just yeah, make sure you're fully dressed. Yeah. Um, Get everything set up in advance. So check your internet connection. If you're using a hotspot, make sure it's all working. Make sure your battery's fully charged on your laptop. Um, I'd say like get some prompts. So, you know, rather than having like a load of notes around you that you're kind of flapping, trying to look at during the interview, just have some like little strategically placed post-it notes around the screen with some prompts. So for example, why you want to be a solicitor, why this firm, some of those kind of more generalized questions. Um, And other than that, just things like body language, eye contact, speaking clearly, relax, smile hopefully enjoy it <laughs> enjoy it in inverted commas <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i think that that idea of eye contact body language and stuff is something that can really go amiss in video interviews so it is important what you're saying in terms of the content and you know that's why we we reference the idea of keeping your applications and your notes and your resume and knowing it all off, off by heart as best you can but how you say it's really important as well like you mentioned so tone you know eye contact or webcam contact do we say using your hands and gesturing trying to treat it as much as a normal interview as much as you can in, in those regards and um, are really key points as well and 
and then I guess finally, um, having kind of walked through the whole process from research through to its final stages, um, one of the most common stages that I came across when I was applying to commercial law, and it might differ slightly depending on the type of training contract you're applying to, like we said, um, is either some form of formal assessment center with several exercises in one day, or just a kind of rounds or single in-person interview, really. Um, I think a lot of students kind of have a lot of mystery about you know assessment centers because obviously they can differ quite a lot between firms um, they're always not quite sure what each exercise is kind of looking for out of candidates how they should behave throughout the day um, and kind of how they kind of distinguish what they've said to date throughout their application versus what they say on the day if they repeat themselves or, or edit it somewhat what's your sort of just general caveat advice for in-person interviews and those assessment centers generally for candidates to hopefully having got this far to um, secure the deal and to and to go all the way yeah well I think one of the main things is to find out what the format of the assessment centre is. So try and work out in it or try and establish with the firm what the process is going to be. Is there going to be a group exercise? Are you going to have to draft something? Is there going to be a role play interview, um, you know, with a client, client interview? So work out in advance what it, it potentially could entail, because then you can kind of tailor your preparation accordingly. Um, if you're doing things like group exercises, I think probably, you know, it, which could, for example, involve like an, a group negotiation or um, presenting on a, on a topic. One thing I would say to watch out for is, um, you know, how you come across within that group scenario because you, what you want to show is that you're a team player um so there'll be some big personalities there everybody wants to shine and you want to shine obviously and, and put yourself out there but what you just want to make sure is that you don't take over um because you want to show that in that you're able to lead, but you you have the ability to be able to step back and take take into account other people's um, views and and that sort of thing. Um, if you're having to do a drafting exercise, for example, make sure that you read any documentation that you're given twice um, and work out whether there's any gaps in your knowledge, any missing information, or any further documentation that you might need, for example. Um, so that's always a good one. Um, and then just in terms of the interview itself, if you can establish who's going to be interviewing you in advance, that's really, really helpful because it will it'll sort of, again, um, change how you prepare. So, for example, are you being interviewed by the HR team or are you being interviewed by partners at the law firm? And if it is partners dig a little deeper who's interviewing you hey absolutely and i, I really like your point about realizing not everything's set in stone because i think whilst firms aren't going to be cruel they might spring a few things on you um such as a presentation or ask you to comment on a certain story that you might not prepared as well um but i have some fantastic tips and i think as a whistle-stop tour from beginning to end where can people go to learn more about yourself um and the lawyer portal and, and the kind of resources and tips that we've discussed today Basically, if you go onto the lawyer portal, we've got um, the, the the guides that we've got on the website are segmented. So depending on what stage you're at, um, you can find lots of different tailored information around training contracts, pupillage, um, applying for work law work experience, a whole range of information. And we're, we're also working with about 40 
different law firms now. So we have a, a wealth of information about different law firms. So if you are at that research stage, definitely check us out and check out the firms that we're working with and the content that they've been developing with us because it's sort of really useful to, to build into any applications that you might subsequently make. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing all your advice and you know, insights today and you know, the sort of tips that we've covered. Definitely. And, you know, I just like to say to people, really good luck with any applications that you make and just be really, really measured in your decision making processes, really focus in on the firms that you want to work for and really be clear in your head as to why you want to pursue this career um, because if you can't articulate that question to yourself, it's going to be very, very difficult to demonstrate to a law firm why you have this passion. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the More From Law podcast. The amount of support the show has received recently has been unbelievable, so thanks again for playing your part in that by listening. If you'd like to support the show, please rate it five stars on the iTunes store and follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps the show reach more listeners. If you're looking for more tips, resources and guides, you can visit my website www.harryclarklaw.com where you can also sign up to my newsletter and stay up to date with everything that I'm up to. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.